Welcome to the CEC Report. It's the 4th of October. I'm Robert Barwick, and I'm joined today by CEC researcher Richard Barden. Welcome, Richard. Thanks, Robbie. In this week's CEC Report, Australian housing rebound hype was all lies. Brace for impact. And Hong Kong is now a repeat of Ukraine's US-backed neo-Nazi coup. Now, before we begin, a few things to announce for the people who are monitoring this show for the um, regularly, because we're, we're in a campaign to stop the cash ban bill. Now, as you know, there's a, there's a government, a Senate inquiry underway into the bill, but make sure you make your submission to that inquiry. Very important. The, the submissions deadline is the 15th of, of November, so that seems like plenty of time, but it's going to go very fast, I assure you, right? So you've got to prioritise doing that. Every submission that we can get into that inquiry is incredibly valuable. In fact, it's the most significant part of the inquiry. Making sure those members of parliament get the message from thousands of submissions that this is not on, right? And so everybody, make a submission. If you made a submission, we've got 4,000 plus into the Treasury, get your submission updated and put it into the Senate inquiry, right? First, that's the most important thing. Second, there's another inquiry underway that we want to bring to people's attention. We'll put a link at the bottom on the, of, of the YouTube clip here that people can follow through and have a look at it. There's a, an inquiry into the bank auditors. Now, the big four bank auditors are the backbone of corruption in the global financial system. These four auditors audit 98% of all the, the big banks in the world, and they, let it, they, they cover their tracks for them, right? This, is, this has become so egregious in the UK and Australia, etc. There's a lot of attention on this, but there's the, the inquiry that's underway has only got eight submissions so far. So a lot of you people who watch this show are highly qualified and are getting more and more of an understanding of these issues, click on the link, make a submission to that inquiry as well, right? This is, there's a, it's a gross conflict of interest to have these auditors so influential. Um, they don't just audit banks, but then they consult to banks, etc. and that's why they cover their traps, tracks. Everyone knows this. Hit them hard, right, and, and follow the details. We'll put out more statements on this, but I just want to bring that to people's attention. Okay, let's get into the main story of the day though. This is huge. The Australian housing rebound hype was all lies, brace for impact. So for months, Richard, they've been talking up the housing market. And Richard is the guy who has the, the pleasure or displeasure or whatever of reading all the newspapers every day <laughs> to tell us in the office here, here's, here's the latest stuff, here's what you need to know that what that, that's relevant, right? So you've seen the hype in mm. the newspapers firsthand. You, you can testify to that. At, and a huge hype, and everyone's heard it. Yes, the market's back, right? Yep. Booming. Booming. And, and, <laughs> and what they don't point out, though, is the media now, that's the main ones driving the hype, they're all, their ownership is all intertwined with real estate companies. So, for instance, mm. Channel 9 now owns all the Fairfax papers, which are called the Nine Papers. That includes the Financial Review. And they also own those papers' own domain, mm. right? And so when those papers in Channel 9 are talking up the market, that's why they're talking it up. Yeah. Domain being the biggest real estate portal in the country. Yeah, exactly. That, that, exactly. So they've been talking this up um, a blue streak. And that's what you're supposed to believe. Oh, the worst is over, the rebound is here. Now, this follows, though, a lot of government interventions, right? You've got the 5% deposit scheme. That's not in place yet. That's been announced, though. Mm, it's right? supposed to start in January. That's right. And earlier in, in July, Michael Sooker, the assistant treasurer, the same guy trying to take away our right to use cash, he said, the Sook, I call him, he goes... <laughs> 
Rush out and buy now before that comes into, into, into effect because then prices are going to go up. And it's, it's quite extraordinary a government minister would do that. But that's what they did. And then, of course, the RBA has been playing its part, slashing interest rates mm. three times now since the election, right? Mm. What's at stake here? I'm going to repeat this later, but just to assert it. The banks are what's at stake. They don't care about you. They don't care about your negative equity. It's all about the banks. Australia's banks have the highest exposure to household debt, to, to housing debt, of any banks ever in the history of the world, right? 65%, all the big four have 65% of their lending into housing. So those crashes in 2008 in housing markets in Europe and the United States that smashed the banks, they will obliterate our banks mm. if that happens here, right? And that's what the desperation has been about. But supposedly, we've dodged a bullet, it's all fine. Mm. Well, after the break, I'm gonna play a series of clips to show you what an absolute lie that has been. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where we're discussing Australian housing rebound hype was all lies. Brace for impact. So, officially, prices are coming back up again. And the prices that matter are Sydney and Melbourne. Sorry, the rest of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> not, it's not me saying that. That's how the industry thinks, right? Sydney and Melbourne, the two biggest markets, dominate everything. Prices are coming up there. Now, this is, you, go, you can only go by the data you've got, right? And this is the official data, which comes from this organisation called um, core logic. Now, John Adams and Martin North have their channel, Interest of the People, and they have, they're known as bears in the property market, mm -hmm. and, and we agree with them, but they're, they're sort of well-known, especially Martin, as the people that have been saying for a long time, um, you know, the, the, the market's going to come down, right? So, but even they have to go by the same data, and they have acknowledged that the prices by the data is going up. And so just... At the start of the week, they put up a show. They, they, they put up an episode of the show that I urge everyone to watch. We'll put the link below. And just listen to John's clip here where he's talking about the data. Even though the, here's the thing, the, RB, like the, the mainstream media is saying that property prices back up based on CoreLogic, and, and you and Edwin have spoken at length about some of the problems with the CoreLogic index, about the design and the quality of the data and, and the delay in the, in the data and where that data is coming from. So, you know, uh, obviously because we have relatively low volumes, I mean, should we read too much into property prices going up in Sydney and Melbourne? Um, you know, look, I mean, in, in, the, in the span of the Irish housing crisis, which went for four and a half years, they were speaking to a number of Irish uh, contacts. There were at least two times where uh, in prices went up during that four and a half years, and I, and in those two two periods that I was told that prices went up, all the brokers, the 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 establishment from from the government to the banks to the property sector to the to the media, they all said this is the bottom, jump back in. And so even though we're seeing a slight uptick in property prices based on low volumes in Sydney and Melbourne. And I think CoreLogic is saying now Brisbane to a small degree as well. Um, uh, Perth is still falling as well as I think Adelaide. Adelaide yep. So, so um, I, mean, I don't think we should be jumping for joy about property prices uh, now, uh, purely because the the uh, all this other data doesn't support you know robust uh, you know property price growth going forward. So as of the start of the week, there John is acknowledging yes the prices are coming up, but he's he's cautioning. Look. Compared, the Irish experience had this as well, but then it turned around and kept going down again. But then he's and he's pointing out, Richard, that there's this, this other weakness in the market that mm. indicates you can't really trust those figures too much. You can't jump for joy. Yeah. What are some of those other weaknesses? Well, for one thing, um, the housing volume, the sales volumes are down by a mile. Um, Edwin Almeida, who 
uh, regular viewers of this show will know and uh, Martin North's viewers, he's a, a real estate property consultant in Sydney, been a veteran of about 20 years. Yeah. And he pointed out that, look, volumes are down 40% from peak sales And volumes. this is causing carnage among yeah, real estate absolute agents. carnage. So for one thing, it means even if there had been that slight price rise, it wouldn't make up for the difference in the loss of volumes. And yeah. that's what's crucial to the banks, the amount of credit, not the price per se. But no, Sydney, Sydney real estate and to you know, similar extent the rest of the country, but he knows best about Sydney. Um, so there are thousands of real estate agents who have just um, left the business. Others are being, they're foregoing wages and being paid only on commission. Yep. There are, um, some of them haven't been paid for six months. They're living on credit card or withdrawing equity from their own investment properties or, or even principal place of residence, their homes. So these, these, are, real, these are real world indicators real world. that are saying, well, there's all that hype, but we in the industry, we're suffering. Now, let me move on because John, I'm glad John said you shouldn't jump for joy because the guy who did jump for joy <laughs> was Joy, Christopher Joy, the arch spruker of the, of the industry. Last night or the night before, he got, no, the night before last, he did a debate on, um, uh, on YouTube, on Peter Switzer's show with Steve Keen. Now, Steve Keen is the economist who, like Martin North in 2008, was saying this is the system, the market's going to crash. The CEC was saying the same thing, mm -hmm. right? And Joy, watch him gloat, and, and I want you to pay attention to what he says. Watch him gloat about why Keen is wrong. Um. So I said publicly I expected a modest decline in house prices in 2008. They fell 7%. We were forecasting a 5 to 10% decline, followed by a rapid rebound. They did rebound rapidly. As I mentioned, they're now 38% uh, higher than uh, their levels uh, prior to the global financial uh, crisis. Um, we also projected very strong growth following a, a modest correction between 2010 and 2012. In 2013, we said that we'd get double-digit house price growth as a result of uh, significant RBA rate cuts. The RBA um, ultimately cut the cash rate from 4.75% uh, to 1.5% um, in 2016. And, and we got that boom in house prices. Uh, we saw Sydney house prices rise as much as 50% from their trough in 2012. Um, but in April 2017, I wrote in the financial review whilst prices were still rising, um, Peter and Steve, that the boom's over, we're gonna have a bust. I forecast a 10% decline in house prices in April 2017. <clears throat> and by April um, uh, 2019, they've fallen 10.7%. This year, in April 2019, I said the bus is over. We're going to get a 10% increase in house prices. Uh, prices troughed in May. They started rising in June and July. Uh, Sydney and Melbourne have prices now up um, about 3% plus from their uh, 2019 Nadir. And we're very confident we're going to get strong house price appreciation of okay. five to ten percent. Wait a second, of five to ten percent over the twelve months following the second RBA rate cut. So there is not a snowball's chance in hell um, house prices are going to fall significantly in the short uh, to medium term. They will rise significantly. So there's joy. I'm right, and he loves this word relentlessly. I'm right. I'm relentlessly right. I was right in 2008. I'm right now. The market's back three percent plus in Sydney and Melbourne. Okay. I'm going to say this about Christopher Joy. He's actually relentlessly wrong because unlike the others who are forecasting economic eventualities, he forecasts government interventions. <laughs> and he, he advises the government on what interventions to make to make sure the other forecasters are wrong. And I'll give you some examples of that. So there's two lies I'm going to go through now, right? The first lie is this one that 
oh, 2008 just turned around on its own. It was a 7% down, it turned around on its own. Because this is what Steve Keane had to walk up Mount Kosciuszko because he was supposedly wrong about, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a young um, financial uh, pr- fi- uh, real estate analyst in Sydney. His name is Joseph Walker. He, just a few days ago, 27th of September, he tweeted that he received freedom of information documents from Treasury that he'd requested. And those documents show that it's in writing. We'll put it up on the screen. That when the Rudd government boosted the first home buyers grant in 2008, when they tripled it, it was, quote, in black and white, to prevent the collapse of the housing market. Now, did they say that at the time? No. They called it, oh, this is a housing affordability measure. Mm. We're going to triple the grants and more people can afford to buy housing. No, no. They were doing it because they thought Steve Keane and Martin North were right in 2008. They knew they were right and they had to turn around. But that was a 7% fall mm. in 2008. We've been dealing with a double that in Sydney and, and mm. more than that in Melbourne, right? Yep. If, they were, if they thought the market was crashing in then, what's it doing now? That's, that's the key thing. Here's the big one, though. Rebounding house prices. So we can only go by the data we've got. Well, there's other signs that we've pointed to last week. You did an article on this that when they said the housing market's rebounding, we thought, well, hang on. Why did Josh Frydenberg and Scott Morrison just come out screaming? Morrison from New York, no less. Banks lend money. Yeah. Stuff lending standards. Go back to lending money. Quick, quick, quick. Yep. Right? And this is after APRA stripped away all its responsible lending benchmarks. Exactly. <laughs> Why? Why were, they, why were they saying that? Because they were, they're private information you don't have, and they know the banks haven't been, right? So, does, so where's this, this supposed rise coming from? The other thing was on the, the day before the interest rate cut this week, the latest figures showed that the, what the, what's called housing credit or, or bank credit to housing is at an all-time low of 3.1%. Mm. And if that keeps going down... Yeah. They're not going to turn this around. And that's since 1977 when they started keeping records. There you go. So what's this clip, though? This is big. This is the chief economist of REA and realestate.com.au. Her name is Nerida Connorsby. She's being interviewed by Martin North the day after their show, with his show with John Adams. And she makes this admission. Okay, so that sales data interests me because obviously with the low volumes that are currently going through in terms of you know auction clearance rates and, and transaction throughput, um, the, the price data appears to be quite strong. Uh, I, I guess my question is, is, is that true or is it actually a function of the more limited volumes and therefore the limited uh, data streams that are coming through? Oh, absolutely, the volumes has a lot to do with that at the moment. I mean, we're not seeing growth in Melbourne and Sydney as yet. So I think some some forecast or some, or some um, creators of indices are seeing uh, strong growth in, in Melbourne and Sydney at the moment. We're not. Uh, we, we are still seeing price declines, but we are seeing some suburbs do very, very well. And the suburbs that are doing well tend to be premium suburbs. It's um, premium Sydney in particular. We are seeing strong growth in places like Fort Clues and Collaroy and Rose Bay, for example. Um, some strong growth in Gold Coast premium, so which I think is related to Sydney money. We can certainly see search moving from Sydney up to up to the Gold Coast. Uh, so premium markets are doing pretty well. It is pretty... Um, and auction clearance rates, you know, that's another one that tends to be a little bit misleading because if you have a look at auction numbers and where auctions take place, they are mainly in Sydney and Melbourne and they're mainly Sydney and Melbourne premium. So, you know, we've got these very high auction clearance rates, these auction clearance rates, but at the same time, if you have a look at a market like Sydney, listing volumes are down 25% 
compared to the same time last year. So there's a distinct lack of property on the market, which you know is is one of the key drivers of price growth. What you've just seen is huge. She has said, from their data, there is no growth in those big markets. In other words, totally contradicted Christopher Joy in his gloating on that on that debate. What does it mean if that's if that's true? Because all the signs point to that being true. It means the banks are toast. The banks have been, um, they've got so little capital, they're flying so close to the breeze on this, they're desperate to get a turnaround in the housing market. And just to underscore this, what's this clip from a few months ago when I interviewed Philip Seuss, and he explained ways banks are desperately cooking their books internally to avoid uh, capital requirements and things like that that would possibly cause them massive losses. I had a, a couple of people contact me from um, in and around uh, industry and they were telling me what, what the banks do is that on the front end, you know, a borrower just may see their, their plain mortgage, say half a million dollars, um, yeah. principal and interest. Um, that's just apple pie st- kind of stuff. But on your back end, uh, the bank could um, uh, split it up um, into four, five, six um, segments. And the purpose for this is to um, uh, basically... Uh, hold down um, the loan-to-value ratios and to also originate more interest-only loans but to then disguise them as principal and interest. Right. So, for instance, if you had, uh, say, a million-dollar mortgage, you had, um, at the front end, it just looked like one plain mortgage, but on the back end, they've cut into four segments. The first segment is a $700,000 interest-only loan. And then you have the, the last uh, 300000 cut into three portions of principal and interest, uh, so three P&I mortgages. Uh, but because the bank then uses an unweighted um, LVR methodology, um, there are, by LVR, that's 75% principal and interest and only 25% um, interest only. Right. And so to the... Um, to the borrower and also to the data they provide to the regulators, the credit rating agencies and um, uh, auditors, it, it seems like a standard uh, principal and interest loan. Well, sorry, okay. In case people miss that, just to interpret it, because this is what unweighted means. There's 700,000 and three, a million is divided into, into one lot of 700,000 and three lots of 100,000. Yep. But that's four parts. And they can use an unweighted average where they, they claim they are four quarters of the mortgage yep. and present their figures to the regulators and their own... They're fooling themselves. We discussed this last time. They're actually fooling themselves if, they, if, they wanted, if they're doing this, mm, right? Mm. Um, but this is the t- sort of trick, and it's, it's clearly fraud. I mean, what, you know, what other intention is there? This is the sort of trick they're prepared to resort to just to pretend their books are better than they are. All right, so this is the big one, as, of, as we've said for a long time. If the, if the property market goes down, we're not interested. I'm not interested in the property market. I'm interested in the banks. If they go down, our banking system goes down with it and the, and the economy goes down with it. We're in emergency, people, and we need emergency responses, and that's what the CEC is known for, our policies of glass deal and a national bank, etc. Call in, get a copy of our literature where we explain all this stuff and get involved in the campaign to make sure we get these solutions through. But let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about Hong Kong. Welcome back to the CEC report. Finally, Hong Kong is now a repeat of Ukraine's United States-backed neo-Nazi coup. So a few weeks ago, Richard, 
the Hong Kong administration withdrew this extradition bill that sparked off these protests this year, mm. right? So that's now dead. It's officially withdrawn. It's all gone. For a week or so, there was quiet. Mm. And now we've seen this massive eruption of violence in Hong Kong coinciding with the 70th anniversary. However, we knew that was coming, mm. right? And how do we know that what's happening there now isn't spontaneous but orchestrated? All right. All of the so-called human rights groups behind this, some of them going back to the 1980s, were set up by uh, people associated with the US uh, National Endowment for Democracy, the Color Revolution Machinery, which we published an article about a few weeks ago. Yep. Um, the, the, the leaders of this so-called protest movement, people like Joshua Wong, have been darlings of this NED crowd flown in and out of Washington, Germany recently. We can put that funny picture up on the screen. Yep. Joshua, um, Joshua Wong with all these other people backed by the United yeah, States. Yeah. Um, and about a month ago, they, these groups arranged a screening of this lying documentary on the Ukraine so-called Revolution of Dignity, the, the Euromaidan. So the lying documentary is called Winter on Winter Fire. Winter on Fire, um, which, was, which is touted by its director, producer, um, as a manual for revolution. Right. That whitewashes the, roles, the, the role of these actual Nazis, neo-Nazis, um, who, who made this into the overthrow of a government when the political opposition, as bad as they are, and also backed by the same forces, had reached a deal with the then president, Yanukovych. That, that's, that's key. If everyone remembers the Maidan in 2014, there was a lot of protests, and then there was a deal, and it could have all finished right mm -hmm. there. And what happened then? Then the, uh, the leader of one of these neo-Nazi paramilitaries who was, you know, goes all the way back to the, the actual, the original uh, Ukrainian fascists, Nazi collaborators in World War II, got up, took the microphone from the political leader, um, Klitschko, and said, no, if that president's not out of here by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, we're going to storm the presidential palace and kill him. He got in a helicopter and left that night. Um, and this is put up as, as some great, you know, revolution of democracy when it was the, the people associated with that, with that guy I mentioned that took the microphone, who they were the ones who shot the protesters. They yeah, were the yeah. ones who caused the violence on both sides. That's right. There was this, this sniper incident where 100 people were killed and it was police and protesters killed, and that was orchestrated. We don't have time to go through that. Mm -hmm. We have covered that in the show but in the past. But it's this key thing where there's a chance for a political settlement yeah. and then the people backed by the United States... Yep make sure it doesn't happen, and they got the coup they wanted. And if you're looking at American politics at the moment, what are they fighting over? Which side, Democrat or Republican, gets to loot Ukraine the most? Yeah. Supposedly they freed Ukraine so they can just gouge and loot it. That's what they've been doing for the last five years in Ukraine. That's these people behind what's happening in Hong Kong right now. Don't kid yourself. Hmm. So, and they got a bloodbath, and they got a, the coup that they wanted. Right. Yeah. So when this crowd is running around with the same people, throwing, they're throwing Molotov yeah. cocktails. That right? kid who got shot the other day, was trying to club a policeman in the head with a steel bar yep. while he was distracted fending off another one, and then his friend threw a Molotov cocktail at the other police coming to try and help him. Yep. These are not protesters. These are rioters. These are hooligans. That, that's why they haven't um, stopped because the extradition bill yep. it was never about that for these people. For, for the million people that walked the streets peacefully, of course it was. It wasn't about that for these people. So look, we've only touched on it here. There's a lot more detail to go through. When, we, when these subjects come up, especially on China, I say to Richard, because as you know, I deal, I deal with financial matters more, I say to Richard, can you please research all this, all the claims, and write an article on it? And Richard does. There's a series of them we've put in the alert service about China, about Hong Kong, 
They're excellent. They cover Xinjiang, the, the, the Uyghurs. They cover the, the Fulong Gong and all those kind of sort of things. We'll produce them as a package. If you want to read them, call in on our toll-free number and you can get order a copy of those to read. All right. But we're out of time. Thanks for joining us, Richard. Thanks, Thanks to the viewers. Tune in next week for more.